like I I thought I was going to go into the wind tunnel and like I was like I don't know if I'm going to learn anything that I don't already know. I absolutely came away with that session learning something that I didn't know that is going to change my equipment this year. What up, party people? I am back to my normal self after a brutal bout of illness, and we're bringing you a mega show this week to make up for the day or two delay. We get pretty deep into cyclocross world champs, USAC scheduling nationals the same day as a Lifetime Grand Prix event, and a ton of listener questions to boot. If you have any questions or feedback for the show, you can send those to bongbrospodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. Thanks again to all of our loyal Patreon supporters for helping us keep the mics on. All right, let's get this Bonk Bros party started. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to kick it off by admitting that I, I actually did not watch Cyclocross World Champs, but I, I know the fin- I know what happened. Did you, so you watch the, so you can you watch spoil the highlights or something? No, dude. You, all you guys, like, you can't, like, everything, I mean, everything spoils it. So, I mean, you, I know what happened. Yeah. You didn't at least watch a four-minute highlight, though, is what you're telling me. Oh, no, no, no. I watched, watched like, like, the 20-second highlight. The 20-second, okay. <laughs> I did watch <laughs> the Women's World Champs. And I did watch the okay. U23 men's world champs. I was like saving uh, the men's race because I thought I was going to do like another trainer workout, but then I haven't. So, oh, you should just okay. get one of those uh, phone mounts for your fat bike and you could just watch it while you're out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? That'd be, yeah, that'd be hella safe. Dude, I can't um, believe, I mean, I can see why if you were watching the women's and the U23s, why watching like those, those races were, I'll say, quote unquote, boring compared to mm-hmm. the men's race. So, yeah, I was pass. like, I, yeah, I, I was doing, like, I was watching those sort of passively while I was doing intervals, so I didn't want to put the men's race on, because I knew that I'd be kind of tuned out for some of it, and I was like, I already knew what happened, but I was like, I, I want to, like, I want to tune in and, like, actually watch it, Yeah. so it just hasn't happened yet, but good thing we got Tyler on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dylan, did you watch at all? Uh, I watched, like... I don't know, probably a ten or fifteen minute highlight video. I didn't watch. I didn't sit for an hour <laughs> and watch it. But man, because you're killing me. <laughs> I mean, I I know every important thing that happened in the race. <laughs> like who won? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it seemed it seemed to me from the highlight video that I watched, like uh, Vanderpool was doing most of the attacking and most of the move moves, and was on the offensive for pretty much the whole race mm-hmm. and Wout was on the defensive for pretty much the whole race. Yeah. Wout had uh so Vanderpool actually went to the last world cup, which was in France the week before. And I think it was just to get extra points so that he could start on the front row at worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then that meant Wout was second row. And then like oh. from the gun, the Dutch just had it lined out, um, which I, yeah. that start is really hard. Like it's uphill all the way past like all the way to the first pit section and they just had it lined out and yeah Vanderpool went to the front and then Wout had to move up and then for like I think after lap one or three quarters of a lap it was just those two um yeah and yeah Vanderpool it was interesting uh on the feed that I was watching the GCN feed Ian Field kept talking about like if you watch Vanderpool he's like a super punchy rider right and then mm-hmm. he just kept like throttling it through this one section where they had uh, basically like a triple flyover and he would like attack up the flyover 
down mm-hmm. the other side and then up this, like there's this hill that kind of leads up to the upper section of the course. And he was just like every lap, just like hitting them there or over the barriers, like hitting Wout there. Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought was a strange tactic because Wout's a diesel and he just kind of plays into it. Right. If Matthew is like, as they said on the feed, is Wout, his FRC, is Wout a diesel though? I mean, that's like, how he, I, that's how I he know. Faces. I know that people say that because he's good at time trialing, but mm-hmm. he's also good at sprinting. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like a he's an anomaly. Yeah, in that sense. Well, I guess he's a he he prefers a I shouldn't say prefer because I don't really know, but a steadier race plays to his hand. Like it okay. can be really hard, but just like where Vanderpool excels is just like attacking for a minute all out. And mm-hmm. no one can just no one can hang with him. Um, yeah, which uh, you know I think yeah. I don't know. If I mean, it, it seems or... it seems pretty clear that probably Vanderpool's one minute power is probably the best in the world. Yeah, if I'm, you know I don't I don't yeah. know who can match Vanderpool's one minute power right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I like they, yeah, he just hitting them with like all these high end attacks, and then I think every it was interesting. Like if you guys saw in your 20 second to four minute highlight videos. Uh, <laughs> everybody thought he was going to attack over the barriers. Like if that, mm-hmm. if you watch mm-hmm. the race, Vanderpool was so damn fast over the barriers. It was unreal. And he could have easily just attacked Wout there. But in the last lap, Wout, like he, he sped up across like the bottom and before the left turn to go up the hill mm-hmm. towards the off camber, um, just to almost like, nullify Matthew's attack and then you saw they like both hopped the barriers and Matthew just like laid off and I think that's where he got Wout because Wout was probably expecting him to attack at the barriers and instead of just continuing to the front and making it like a longer sprint from there like Wout just they just kind of like played cat and mouse then sure Vanderpool Mm. hit him with the hit him with the sneak attack sure yeah I mean so from what I what I saw of the sprint uh, I mean, I can understand why Wout didn't do this, but it, it seems to me, I, the reason I was going to say, it seems like if Wout had just started sprinting the minute he hit the pavement, he probably would have had it. That being said, I understand why he didn't do that because going from the minute you hit the pavement means you have to sprint for a very long time. Um, yeah. like it's a longer sprint than what is ideal. Uh, and it it seems it seems like Vanderpool caught Wout off guard. Like Wout wasn't expecting him to start the sprint so early. Yeah, yeah. That little section, like there is a speed bump in that section. So like mm-hmm. it, the you come off the off camber, it goes slightly downhill, and then you go over the speed bump, and then it yeah. kind of rises up. But I think in the sprint, you saw that Vanderpool waited right until Wout like flicked his head back to make sure he wasn't going to run into the barrier. And then he just like mm-hmm. put in ten hard pedal strokes, and that was that was it. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think your assessment is right that Wout wasn't. I don't think expecting to get jumped there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's interesting to see probably one of the best sprinters and time trials in the world kind of get played at the last like two World Cups. Like for years, Wout had uh, the last two big races that they've both done. I should say. I mean, for mm-hmm. years, Wout had Vanderpool's number on worlds like three years in a row he just destroyed him mentally and physically and then the spain world cup and then this world's race like wow just got pretty much like played tactically by vanderpool which is not 
par for the course by any mm-hmm. means. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do see, I, I, I've seen a little bit of commentary like, oh man, you know, uh, wow, just what it was, you know, wasn't in it today or, or, you know, uh, is Wout losing his edge or something? Cause he's had such a good season. I saw the same commentary when Vanderpool lost Flanders in a sprint, like, Oh, he's been racing too much. He's losing his edge, whatever this, it's like <laughs> he got, he got second place by, you know, by feet. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if the race had played out slightly differently, Wout would have cra- cl- crossed the line first and we'd be having the same conversation about Vanderpool. For sure. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're so close that it's really a coin toss, which one was going to win. And, and this whole conversation about like, whichever, wh- whichever of the two of them loses talking about how like, you know, they're not as fit or whatever. It's like, no, they're, they're just as fit as they could possibly be right now they're just so closely matched yeah you know yeah it's it's literally like quarters of a percent difference or just like yeah. comes down to their riding style and how they apply that over the course that makes yeah. the, the like the we, biggest we difference. could we could have that conversation if wout for some reason got 10th place for on you know if he if he got 10th place and it was completely unexplained we'd be like what what happened to wout like he just <laughs> <laughs> he sucks Let's yeah, but trans. if he if he gets se- if he gets second by feet, that's not so like oh, I, dude, I saw this lost, posted you know, yesterday. Like, Check out these stats. He, he raced too much, or he lost it, or what? He mistimed his peak, or something. It's like no, it's like these are very closely matched riders. And had yeah. the race played out slightly different, we'd be having this conversation in the reverse direction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I, I, I could I was trying to find the same stats for for. Wow, but I I saw these Vanderpool stats for his cyclocross career. Um, Two hundred nine total races, one hundred and eighty four podiums, one hundred and forty nine wins, seventy one percent win rate. Wow, yeah. he's crazy. an animal. Like he is <laughs> unmatched in terms of like physiology and just like I don't know. I don't know. Like I would kind of I don't know if Matthew has a coach, but. Like the dude doesn't even race with any data, you know. Like he just is well, most cyclocross racers racer. don't race with data. Well, we at least have a watch, like a yeah. watch and a heart rate strap. But Vanderpool has like none of that, and he just, which I don't know, maybe that's. I, I did see that he was but, he was wearing a Whoop strap. Oh yeah, yeah, got that sponsorship. Is he sponsored <laughs> by? Is he sponsored by Whoop? Uh, probably. I don't know. I'm sure he's not paying for it. Well, yeah, but like you know, <laughs> and the question is: I, even if he was, dude, I think he could. Dude, at, at, at his J Pat was on the ground. He probably hooked him up. <laughs> dude, at at his level, for sure, he's not paying for a single thing that's bike related. <laughs> but the question is: are they paying him, you know, mm. thousands of dollars to wear that, or are they not? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Good question. Good question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Vanderpool is like. I remember hearing this story one time of him like just like going around at a mountain bike world cup and asking people if they wanted to go for a little spin that was like 80 miles, like through the mountains, like on like two days before the race. And everybody was like, dude, are you fucking crazy? And he was like, yeah, like it's no problem. Like he's just, his abilities (laughs) and like physiology is, is unreal. Hmm. You know, who does, uh, on related to that, you know, who does a long ride two days before racing? 
you is uh alexi vermulen <laughs> uh, i don't know maybe scott scott would totally do that but alexi <laughs> vermulen that's like part of his pre like that's part of his race week strategy is that he puts in like four hours on thursday if he's got a race on saturday which I is mean, unconventional i don't know a lot of people who do that i've i've heard a couple of times from some coaches at least in the cyclocross world that like it's very traditional that americans do openers on on friday but like mm-hmm the European methodology, at least like in the lowland countries, is you you basically have a Thursday. Yeah, you have a hard workout on Wednesday, and then that's it. Like you're chilling Thursday and Friday, and then hmm. Saturday you race, Sunday you race. Oh, so, so the openers are Wednesday. I mean, yeah. I, I've there are there are so many configurations of of how to do a race week and yeah. where to put the openers. I've heard race weeks like let's say the race is Saturday. I've heard people say race week. Or uh, openers Friday. I've heard people say openers Thursday. I've heard people say openers Wednesday. I've heard people say openers Wednesday and Friday. It's like, you know, I mean, <laughs> openers every day. I, I I think I think that is it. It is one of those things where it's you should really experiment with what uh, what makes you f- feel the best on race day. Um, mm-hmm. And as you race more, you're going to figure that out. Like some people need a longer taper. Some people need a shorter taper. You know, some people like Alexi need to ride four hours, two days before the race. So well, I have a bit of uh, cyclocross uh, world's trivia for you. Do you guys know the gear ratio or like what um, what gearing WoW was running? I heard people talking about it and saying that it was really heavy. Yeah. Uh, any any guess- guesses? Uh, well, he's, <clears throat> he's probably running two by No, He's, he's on SRAM though. He's on SRAM. He okay. is on SRAM. Okay. Was he so on one by or one by? one by or two by? Uh, I don't think he really wanted to mess with the SRAM front derailleur. So he was one by. Yeah. Okay. 40, okay. 46 by ten thirty three. Okay. Dylan, uh, 40, I'm going to say, yeah, 46. He was running a 48 tooth front. 48. Chain. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That is not really. like. I said, I turned to Lauren and I was like, that is as big as my, like the SRAM two by setup that he was running just in a single ring. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, what, how steep are the climbs on that course? They're not, uh, the, the one hill that I was talking about where Matthew was attacking, that might be like the steepest pitch. Um, the rest of the climbs are like subtly kind of uphill. So like if you, Mm Uh, saw where the barriers were like that part is a steadier drag maybe like one two percent grade uphill Mm -hmm. um and then the the climb up the road is probably the other longest climb so it is a i mean and it was dry that year or this year so it was really fast um but still like yeah it that course is i would say a lot more punchy um in sections with a couple of long sort of subtle drags Mm -hmm. You know, with how, so he was on SRAM for, and he's been on Shimano all season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they switched on January The 1st. only thing I'll say, you know, I've heard people saying, oh, like he's going to have to get used to SRAM and that might mess him up. Uh, could could be the case. I'm sure he puts plenty of time on his bike to figure it out. I mean, I feel like when I switch back and <laughs> forth, it takes me about 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a professional bike racer. <laughs> right. What I will say, though is that the SRAM chains are two to three watts slower than Shimano Dure's chains. Dang, just because of the flat top? It's not because of the flat top. It's because, you know, the 
whatever whatever surface finish that Shimano does is really fast. And SRAM just hasn't figured it out for whatever reason. Like their chains are the slowest on the market. So if we're talking about fractions of a percent difference between the ability of Vanderpool and Wout, I mean, that's... <laughs> Dude, I he, wouldn't want to. He won by more than three watts. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Well, well, it's not. It's not that. It's not that he lost by three watts in the sprint. It's that he was giving know, up the, the cumulative effect. He was I, giving I, up three watts for the entire race. You know what I mean? Maybe we should um, message him and see if we can see his power file. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's I ridiculous. Mean, when when you're normalized as like 420. <laughs> I'm, look, I, I don't know look, if three look, watts would have made much I'm not, difference. Look, I'm not saying that if he ha- he was on Shimano, he would have won. But I am saying that <laughs> I don't want to be given up three watts. Yeah, <laughs> especially when I'm at his level, I don't want to be given up three watts. I think the bigger risk is those those flat top SRAM chains are super brittle. Like mm-hmm. they break a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that was. Probably, any- I mean, he he might not have even run a SRAM chain because of that. Has anybody I would, tried running an alternative chain on those on those road setups? Like, is it possible? Yeah. yeah so I actually chains. I actually talked to uh, I had Adam Karen from Zero Friction Cycling on my YouTube channel recently, and in the second part, which I'll release sometime in the future, we talk about how SRAM is inferior to pretty much all other chains. Um, we dunk on SRAM a lot, honestly. Okay. Uh, and I I ask him, I'm like, okay, so let's say you're on SRAM, you're, the bike you bought comes with SRAM or you're sponsored by SRAM or whatever, for whatever reason you're on SRAM, what can you do? Can you run like a KMC and it'll be faster? And he said that for, for mountain bike, a good alternative is the YBN chain. But, mm. um, but for road, it's a little bit tricky because uh, the dimensions of the chain are slightly different. And he's worried about, if you used like, for example, a KMC, the chain would pop off the cassette or pop off the ring, hmm. like while you're sprinting. Yeah. Would so you- the the um, the the spacing between the cogs, I think, is slightly different. Yeah. Some something is something is not is not it's not perfect. Like you could do it, but it's not perfect. And the risk of doing that is that it'll probably feel fine for 99.9% of your riding. And then you go and smash it at 1500 Watts and it pops off the ring and you crash. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, last year, this last cross season, I get my chains through M speed wax and they, they have like pre-waxed, um, YBN chains and that's, that's always worked great for me, but now I'm converting those bikes over to Axis just for I don't know because I'm a masters racer now and I can. And um, I'm I really wish that there was an alternative to just that that flat top chain. I, I mean, as as nice. You should as it run looks, the but, uh, the Axis uh, like the Explore. Yeah, then you I don't have to, to use the the flat top. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I've also I've also seen like I don't know I think Pink Bike or something leaked. Uh, leaked images of they're going to flat top for their mountain, for the mountain bike. bike yeah i don't know SRAM, like sram sram does a number of things that are questionable to be honest with you i like I a just, lot of the stuff they're doing but i just think the flat top chains are ugly looking they just really? look weird yeah they look sweet i mean i i, I think it's split <laughs> i think some people either, either love like, it or hate it i don't know like i don't i don't care about how they look i care about how it's three <laughs> watts slower like it's so so dylan so is that is that like out of the factory packaging, like with the factory 
wax on or the factory lube lube on? No, forget There's, about the factory grease. I mean, you could you could. So you're saying even if you wax the, the yeah. chain, there's still yeah. going to be a three watt difference. Well, I mean, I don't know. That would have been a good question for uh, Adam and Karen. But yeah, I mean, you're giving up. You're giving. Up, I don't know if it's three watts if you wax the chain, but you're giving up watts with a SRAM chain. Hmm. Um, did you guys watch the women's race? I did. That was also I saw anti anticlimactic in my yeah in my opinion. I wish I wish that it was a closer race. I mean, same. With, we're talking about Vanderpool and. Uh, wow, being separated by fractions. I mean, all season, these two 20 year olds, Puck and Femme, have been just like back and forth, really. And yeah, I mean, you know, Puck crashed and that kind of took her. That was basically the gap. So that's racing, I guess. But yeah. 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 Dude, I, I will say, I, I will give um, Puck some, like a, a ton of credit. Dude, she, she is good at hopping the barriers, especially oh, like those yeah. uphill ones, like where she was going so slow. Mm-hmm. And like it takes so much more technique to hop barriers at a slow pace. Yeah, if you if you are interested in cyclocross pre rides, she does some great pre ride videos. She's producing some good some good content out there. Um, hmm. And yeah, her skills are just ridiculous. Like one of the, I think there's only maybe three or four women that are hopping the barriers, and she is by far and away probably the best at it yeah i mean like femme hops barriers but only like occasionally like it has to be the right situation mm-hmm. um yep. trying to think of who else i mean those are like the top two that were doing it consistently this year yeah um but and peter, those are f- like you know peter's she she hops them every time it's like yeah and full 40 centimeters too like yeah i don't know as a i don't know how tall either of those women are but as a like five eight male like 40 centimeters comes up to like my kneecaps like i can i plant off the top of the barriers right, right, right i would them. <laughs> i would doubt that they're even five eight they're probably shorter than that maybe yeah i guess mm-hmm. so but still i mean like, I, don't, I don't i don't know their <clears throat> height off the top of my head but yeah, yeah. it's a dude peters did she did she did the, the first that i've ever seen like legit wheelie across the the finish line by a, a woman did you see that, that was insane that was yeah, yeah. one-handed too one-handed yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Waving to the crowd. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, I'm interested to see, I think they're both, um, uh, well, I don't know so much about Femme cause she's on Yumbo, but I know that Puck is really eyeing up the Olympics, uh, this Who, next year. For mountain bike? In, in oh, mountain cyclocross biking. is in the, or no, no cyclocross mountain biking. on the Olympics. Mountain biking. <laughs> Shots fired. Isn't they, uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys probably know more about this. It, isn't the reason why they've been doing these kind of snow test events to see if they could have cyclocross in the Olympics? Yeah, the the Val de Sole World Cup the last two years has been right because currently the regulations are if it's a winter Olympic sport, it has to be done on ice and snow. And so, you know, in order to kind of exhibit or show that it is a winter sport, they've gone to uh, Val de Sole, Italy, Italy, which if you're familiar with the mountain bike world cup, um, mm-hmm. it's a popular cycling destination, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's stupid. It, it, yeah, it, it just <laughs> doesn't seem like all the other races just because they're done in place in like lowland countries where it doesn't snow, you know, it is a winter discipline, but yeah, know, maybe it'd be a better fit for the summer Olympics or something like that. If that's what right. we're really aiming like, for. Like, like here's my argument. Tell me one winter Olympic sport where they use equipment that is inferior and not designed for the conditions. <laughs> True. None. There's, I mean, there's not a would, single, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, it would make way more sense to ride a fat bike. Totally. 
Yeah. You could li- you could literally have the exact same race format, but just put them on fat bikes, and it'd probably <laughs> be pretty dope. Can you imagine if fat biking makes it to the Olympics before well, cross does? <laughs> well, honestly, like I think that cyclocross bikes in general, just by the tire size rule, is an inferior piece of equipment for what you're trying to use it for. I don't think 33 millimeter tires is faster for any cyclocross conditions. Yeah, there's. A, I feel like cyclocross is cycling in general but i think of the disciplines um cyclocross is definitely the sport or the dis the the discipline that has the most i'll say like traditional aspects to it right like we've mm-hmm. been riding the same 33 mil tires for you, you know that the 33 millimeter tire rule doesn't even exist in road you can run as wide a tire as you want in road yeah for sure yeah which is which is just crazy like to your point i mean the most of the most cross bikes now save for a couple of brands are pretty much gravel bikes, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so if you could run, I mean, if you could run over 33, it would be, I I mean, significantly. I I saw, I, you know, from watching, watching cross this winter, there were a lot of courses where I thought a mountain bike was probably the better call. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm interested to see the development of it in like the next five or 10 years to see how the courses are just getting more and more technical at the top end. So I'm sure it's one like like these super Sandy courses, for example, I, when you're riding through sand, a skinny tire is not faster. It's significantly slower. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so you're riding an inferior bike for this race. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like doing, I don't know, like a, a motorcycle race with, uh, but you, you know, you can only like, you have to like limit your throttle to like 60% or something. You know what I mean? It's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I mean, they do, that? they do have different engine classifications. Yeah, they for, do that. Yeah. Okay. But like, <laughs> do they like a, a <laughs> thousand, like, like for example, if you, the, the, you know, if you're racing a thousand, um, what is it? A thousand CC bike. Is that, is that the right terminology? Yeah. Like they wouldn't put like I, I yeah no, I, mean, I get that they have different engine classifications but like you wouldn't put I it's the the whole the whole analogy is just going off the rails but what I, what I'm trying to say is like why are you <laughs> I got like halfway through that analogy and I'm like yeah they do have different classifications for bikes <laughs> um yeah, but, but that's I, like just saying like <clears throat> why would they have any rule about anything I guess but but at least at least. A, at least a road bike is like the fastest bike that you could ride for that event. I mean, within reason, right? Um, like for some of these sand cyclocross races, a mountain bike would just blow the doors off of the rest of the cyclocross bikes. It wouldn't even be funny. Yeah. I think a better analogy would be like doing a, hmm, like a BWR gravel race, you know, mm-hmm. on a gravel bike. Like it's just underbiking. That's the whole discipline. That's both disciplines, actually. I guess, but BWR, BWR doesn't have a rule that you have to underbike. You can overbike yeah, if true. you want. Sure. Dylan, do you know, can you run flat bars at BWR? You can run whatever you want as long as it's not an e-bike and as long as you don't have aero bars. Scott says no. No, what? I'm shaking my head at just the fact that this is what the conversation is about. Tyler brought up BWR and I'm racing BWR in like three weeks. At any gravel race... In the U.S., I don't know of any gravel race that has rules about this. As like for BWR, for example, as long as you don't have aero bars and you don't have an e-bike, it's anything goes. And we need to make that. Yeah, wouldn't it make your exclusive. life easier if they just regulated what you could use, so you didn't have to make Why? a decision? 
Why? No, because that, that's exactly how you like. Because imagine, imagine they do that's this exactly how you imagine gain an advantage like, over all the dumbasses who just do what they've been told to do their entire life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> be a lot easier. Scott, just run a cross bike for your. Uh, just run a mountain bike or optimize your life for road. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <clears throat> Scott. So, so you're on now. So we we already kind of talked through the men's results. Did you watch? Uh, Crossworlds. Yeah. Okay. Can you Did break down the watch sprint? the Lifetime Grand Prix documentary? Of course, he <laughs> watched Crossworlds. I'm gonna watch that shit. Then yeah, I'm gonna watch the worlds. Uh, do you have Do you have any critiques, um, or or maybe you know takeaways from the sprint finish? I mean, no. Do you have, <laughs> do you have, tip, do you have tips for Van for uh, Van Aert there? I think he knows that he made a mistake. I mean, yeah. Well, what mistake did he make though? <laughs> Um, well, if he wanted to do the sprint from second, he should have like made more of a point. He, I think he thought Vanderpool was going to go over the barriers super fast and mm. he was going to do it in second. So he had it in his mind what he was going to do from the second position. Mm-hmm. So he, if he, like, he should have, I don't know, forced himself into the second position somehow. Should just dink, I don't dink the barriers. Like he, like, you know, when he like, he should have ran the barriers. Like, yeah, like, exactly. Like he started soft pedaling in the finish straight. He should have done that like two corners before, still in the grass, and then okay. like forced Vanderpool to the front. Do you think? It, yeah. Do you think Vanderpool would have gone to the front though? Here's the play. Know. Here's Scott. the play. What if at the bottom of the stairs, Wout just stopped to tighten his boa at the bottom, <laughs> just to force Vanderpool around him? I mean, they could have started track standing. You know. Yeah. Even were the stairs after the barriers or before the barriers? Yeah, this you go down the hill and then you turn you turn and go back up the stairs. And then before you're basically the off-camber before the, the road. Yeah. Scott, what do you think would have well, happened if uh Wout had started sprinting the second he hit the pavement? Um I don't know. We'll see Tyler. Probably would have won. Yeah. That's what I that's what I said he should have done. I don't know. It's hard to critique him. <laughs> we're all we're all armchair quarterbacks here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like at least Scott has has enough relevance to to break yeah, it down. Yeah, I mean, because Scott's actually a good sprinter and is actually <laughs> yeah. good at cross. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, dude, can we talk about how uh, USA Cycling scheduled their national championship the same day as a lifetime Grand Prix race? The uh, well, the mountain what, bike lifetime Grand Prix scheduled their race the same day as the nationals. No, no dude, dude, it's the other Crusher way. Crusher and the Tusher has been the same date for like twenty years. Yeah, and also the dates were already set for the lifetime Grand Prix races, and then USA Cycling decided on that day. Like, how what we should be talking about is why the fuck are you in the wind tunnel? <laughs> Ooh, I think <laughs> that's top that, secret. Because I mean, I'll I can. <laughs> You know, what what, it's not that secret. Yeah, I went to a, I went, Silka, Silka invited me to a wind tunnel. And of course I went to a wind tunnel if somebody's <laughs> going to invite me to a wind tunnel. And we got a bunch of really cool data. I'm not going to share it yet because I'm going to talk about it on YouTube, but. Oh my God. What were you like <laughs> testing? Like, dude, I mean, we tested a ton of different things. Like we tested. There's so it, much shit you can test. Yeah, we tested different tires. I had my gravel bike in there and we tested different tire widths. We tested skin suits we tested aero socks we tested helmets we tested packs we tested aero bars we tested different positions uh we tested different like different water bottle configurations we tested a lot of different things and and honestly like i th- i thought i was going to go into the wind tunnel and like i was like i don't know if i'm going to learn anything that i don't already know 
I absolutely came away with that session learning something that I didn't know that is going to change my equipment this year. I want, I'm not going to, I'm not, uh, that, that's just like a, that's just a teaser. I'm not going to get into it now, but <laughs> talk about it on YouTube where you can like keep it a secret so that nobody, none of your competition. Dude, I almost want to keep it a secret because I feel like if I say this, everybody's going to copy it, including the people that I race with, because I think so, the word is going to get out about this. So, so was, what was the point of it? Was Silka trying to help you get faster? No, well, I mean, they want, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, they're at the, in the list of reasons to do this, me getting faster was on there, but probably close to the bottom. Right. Okay. What, okay. what they want, what they want is to like, for me to make a video, uh, talking about how, you know, Silka got me in a wind tunnel and it's good promotion for Silka. Okay. Well, th- that's what I was wondering. So, I mean, it, yep. if, if the, the sole purpose was for you to get faster, then it would make sense for you to hold up and, material. But. And what I will say too, is that what's, what's awesome about it is that Silka doesn't really make a lot of aero products other than their socks. Um, so it's not like, it's not like we went there to try to prove that Silka products were faster because it's like, there's on, there's literally one Silka product that we can test. Like yeah. we just went there to try to figure out what gravel equipment is faster. You didn't, you didn't test like a waxed chain versus a lubed chain. Oh, the aerodynamics of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, so yes, yeah, there's your <clears throat> teaser. Stay tuned for that. But can we get back on to what I was talking about and how you say <laughs> cycling is dumbasses? Like, what are they thinking? Putting a national championship the same day as the biggest series, like, People no, care so the, much. The more problem about. is putting an off-road national championship the same day. Like if it was, well, yeah, road, obvi- if it obviously, was road nats, like it wouldn't, nats. it wouldn't matter. But no, like, like now, now Keegan and Russell and a whole bunch of other people are going to have to decide whether they go to national championships or the series that everyone is chasing in the U.S. It's like, what, what are you, what are you thinking, USA Cycling? <laughs> Were you going to do it? No, I, I, pro- I probably wasn't going to do it. I'm just saying, like, how brain dead are the people at USA Cycling to double schedule their national champions? Championships I mean, I'm like sure that. there was some there, there had to be some reason. Like, I mean, yeah, it's because there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, <clears throat> the schedule is already so busy as it is. And they were going to have like when you schedule a race like that, it's going to overlap with something else. I'm just saying don't overlap it with the most important off-road series in the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's like it's a week earlier, maybe even two weeks earlier than than normal. So like that already kind of messes with people's schedule. Like if you if you wait till February to announce your national championship dates, like most people have already laid out their calendar and they already blocked off like Nats are going to be second or third week in July. So then to like put it the first week, I think that's also um kind of messed up for for just the everyday people but yeah i don't know i i mean i could see keegan still going but i don't know about anyone else and and i i forgot where it is off the top of my head right now I it Bear pennsylvania Bear yeah, Bear Creek. Creek. yes i actually might have gone to that one honestly because i i ra- i've raced at bear creek uh like i grew up racing at bear creek i, I raced fun. at bear creek when i was 10 years old i know man i you I, gonna I, do it scott no i probably won't do it hmm but I was gonna like. Uh, I'll probably go, but I don't feel dude, like like having to like get a bike and shit. To, like, I feel, do it, you know man, I, mean? I feel like I feel like Keegan 
Keegan and Russell and all those guys are just going to say, yeah, screw that. It's on the East Coast. And Crusher is like, Crusher's in Keegan's home state. I bet some random East Coaster is going to win. Random East Coaster? Dude, like, I mean, I don't know about random. Who would that be? <laughs> well, there's like other people, for sure, other for sure. I mean, guy that, for sure, Car- a guy that Carson's probably up there. He's probably. What about like Blevins? Carson, Carson look, look, I, look. No offense, no offense to Carson because he's probably he, he's probably listening to this. No offense to Carson, but if Carson were to win, that is exactly what I'm talking about with a random East Coaster <laughs> winning. Like, like, no offense to Carson, but he wouldn't win under a normal national championship circumstance. And and this is the perfect opportunity for him to be honest with you. Like if he's gonna win a national championship in his life, he should totally take this opportunity. Dude, maybe maybe we just figured out why they why they did that. Maybe Carson's paying him under the table. Oh yeah, Carson's, <laughs> Carson's definitely paying USA Cycling under the table. Yeah, no, no I mean, like his, Car- Carson's entire career, USA Cycling has done things that are not good for Carson, and now they're just flipping the switch and they're like, yeah, let's give. Carson yeah, I mean, a it's it's honestly not that surprising though. Like they did this last year. Marathon Nats was the same weekend as uh, Big Sugar, which is the. The, I, I, the series I know. finale, you I know, know, like you yeah. had to be there, and it I think like you couldn't. Two people, Alexis Scarda did both. She did Big Sugar mm-hmm. on Saturday, and then she flew immediately after and did did Marathon Nats on Sunday. Yeah, um, which is pretty baller. I think she might have been the only person to do that, though. Uh, no, I think Crystal Anthony did that as well. Oh yeah, Good. Crystal did too. Yep. Oh, yeah, I thought there were two. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what USA Cycling is thinking. Like why it just for, like, for example, marathon nationals that last year, how hard is it to do it one week later? You know, just push it back one week. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what goes into those decisions. Like if it's on the, the venue side, like if they have like certain dates that are available, dude, dude you know how they're, they're saying that they're going to come out with a like gravel national championship this year and they still haven't announced it. Watch them, watch them put gravel national championships like the same day as unbound. Just the dumbest thing you could possibly think of. <laughs> they like they have it in Kansas the same day as Unbound. <laughs> I I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, uh, dude, dude, I I did see. I think are are all the Lifetime Grand Prix events going to have you guys have your own separate start now? Uh, that's a good question. So we um, had we so had I, our I own- know. So Sea Otter, you're sea Otter your yes. start. Sea Otter, yes. Unbound, yes. Crusher, yep. yes. Uh, Leadville, Leadville, yes. Schwamigan, yes. Big Sugar, I don't know. The Rad, I don't know. Schwamigan, you're going to have your own start? Dude, you were there last year. We had our own start. No, I wasn't part of the Grand Prix. I'm talking about, like, like just the Grand Prix no, riders. You, no, Grand Prix, no, it's... They don't separate it by Grand Prix riders. They separate it by pro. They are, they are this year, though. Pro and everyone else. No, they are this. Sea Otter, the Grand Prix riders have their own start. It's five minutes ahead of everyone else. Are you serious? Just the Grand Prix riders? Yeah. And with a, what, a, what do all the other pros do? Start five minutes later. What? Are you? Yep. That's unbelievable. <laughs> no, it's like that's, that's, like, that's, well, that's, what that's, that's not what they're doing at Unbound, though. At Unbound, it's like all the pros, which lifetime Grand okay. Prix or not. That's okay. That's what I wasn't sure was is is if maybe I was misinterpreting the the Unbound um, announcement, like that they were no just Unbound have Grand Prix. No, no Unbound. It's, it's like all the elite all, riders, all pros. 
Okay. And I'm I that's gotta be how they do it at Seattle. There's no, no way. No. Mm-mm. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What? At least that that's that's how it's it's um announced right now. Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. Dude, I mean, so f- <clears throat> I'm honestly like I'm okay with it, actually. Like I think it's fine so to just what, let so the, what are like you, what are you gonna have a podium for like the lifetime Grand Prix race and then a podium for the pro race? I think so. I think they're they're two because, separate races. For example, two separate fields. For example, like I was talking to Carson last week and he said Carson said he's going to Sea Otter, but he's not even gonna yeah. be racing like any of the fastest riders there. It's gonna be like a I don't know, dude. I would Is there still like a normal race there? Yeah. So, like, so, there's, so there's, a, there's a ton of categories. You know. Yeah, oh, so, but so it's the, it's the same the race. Lifetime one? Oh no, the life. Yeah, the lifetime one is like a. It's like a hundred k. Yeah. yeah so a, there's like yeah. an, a normal race. I think there's an XC race. Yeah. What do you mean it, a normal? Like he's talking an about XC hour, an hour and a half XC race. Oh, um, I think on Sunday, so the day after, there's like a fifty k race, which is probably thirty some miles. Which is so probably, probably about an hour and a half. Hour forty five. Yeah, like, didn't there used to be like a UCI race? There's there's no like yeah, there's no UCI yeah. race. Mm-hmm. And it's not even USA cycling. No. Um, hmm. Not that that even means anything. Dude, so maybe yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, just I, should, die I should reach Jeez. out to Carson and we should we should rally a, a a bunch of guys together that we make it our goal to like catch the lifetime Grand Prix riders as soon as possible. Well, you're gonna catch some of them for sure, but you're uh like you're going to catch some of the roadies. Well, I mean, we'll never sniff hand. like the front. No, yeah, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Wayne had a stood fucking gravel bike or catch him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that is. Uh, I don't like that decision. I'm going to be Dude, honest. That's really. Also, that's a really poor out. decision. The, if the that's gravel true. Ra- the gravel race at <laughs> at Sea Otter is the same exact course as the mountain bike race. Yeah, it was that. It was like that last year too. What? <laughs> dude also apparently andrew Le- andrew lesby got the fastest lap of the entire weekend during the gravel race on his gravel on his bike. gravel bike of course there you go see why do you say of course i don't think that that's obvious if they if if they're using the same exact course and he already raced the mountain bike race so like he already knew yeah the but course. i would i would assume that a gravel bike is slower on that course but maybe it's not was well, it just sandy I don't think that it's, yeah, I mean, it's not deep sand. It's like sand that gives you limited yeah. traction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would assume that a mountain bike is faster on that course. And and here's here's the difference, though. The, the mountain bike race the day before was two laps, and the gravel race the day after was one lap. So he only has the, the gravel pace. race was shorter than the mountain bike race. <laughs> yeah, but so so here's the thing: we still don't know if a gravel bike is faster or not yeah. because he only had to pace for one lap. Not True. two laps. True. Because because there were guys that rode a gravel bike in the mountain bike race. It's not like there's a rule that you have to ride a mountain bike in the mountain bike race. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm just going to bring my mountain bike and do both races on my mountain bike. You can do that as well. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I wonder if there is a rule about doing it on a gravel bike for the gravel race. I don't know. It doesn't say there is. Yeah. Um, That's why it doesn't yeah. really make sense. Maybe, maybe I, it would. I don't. I don't. I, I have a hard time believing that a gravel bike is faster for that course. What I will say about Lesby's gravel bike is that I'm, I think he had the Fox suspension fork on it. I don't know what tires he had, but they were probably meaty. So it's kind of like a mountain bike ish gravel bike to begin with. And then also he only had to pace for one lap instead of two. 
and uh and he knew the course even better at that point. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Should we should we answer some listener questions? Let's do it. Okay. Um should we do ones from the email or from Instagram? Hmm. I don't know. Which ones are more interesting or pressing? Uh well, I gotta look at them then. It's just, uh I, I think I think the we have older ones, I think, from from Instagram. All right, let's hit them. Um, okay, well, okay, this one comes from Cody. He says, I've got a question that I know is training-related, um, but I am going into the military and will be working long hours, but racing bikes is truly my favorite sport, and I like to be the best that I can. What type of training would you recommend with a normal 8 to 5 work schedule? Um, 8 to 5. Well, I mean... So eight to five, five days a week, Monday to Friday, you said normal yep. schedule. I mean, yep. yeah. So what most people do when they have that setup is that they do most of their volume on the weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then they'll probably do some shorter, more intense rides on the weekdays. So, you know, Tuesday have an interval session, maybe do a short endurance ride Wednesday and then do a, another intense session on Thursday. Um, and since you don't have that much time to train, you know, you just keep those to an hour to an hour and a half. And then when you get to Saturday and Sunday, you can bust out four or five hours. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think pretty much nailed it there. As far as like the types of intervals you should do during the week, that's that's kind of tougher to determine without. Well, that's just that's just based on what time of year it is and what you're training yeah. for. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, okay. So this one comes from Tom. Um, he says, uh, just sign up for your Patreon. Sick. Uh, hopefully that leads to less aero bar talk. (laughs) Um, why would that lead to, why would that lead to less aero bar talk? I'm guessing he hates the fact that you talk about aero bars. So he's trying to pay you off to, I mean, yeah, I mean a lot of, a lot of people do. So, uh, okay. So his question is for three to four hour races in the heat, which I encounter often in the Northeast, do you try to drink your calories or keep the calories and drink elect drink slash electrolytes separate? Uh, keep up the good work, gents. I like so talking like he, li- liquid calories versus like, I don't know, solid it, foods. It's or? funny how it's funny how he says, you know, which I encounter a lot in the Northeast. Uh, and the Northeast is obviously hot in the summer. But if I was thinking of a part of the country where heat was a big issue, Northeast wouldn't be my first thought. Yeah, but it's humid. I was going to say, it humidity is, is probably going to play a big factor there. Yeah. It is humid. Although is Southeast... Is in, like, Kansas? Oh, I don't think I've ever uh, I mean, you know, it's not like South Carolina, right. but it's, you know... I mean, it's super humid in South Dakota, so I'd imagine it's pretty humid in Kansas. Yeah, I, it's, it's all relative, right? If you're coming from Arizona, it's going to be the most humid thing yeah. you've ever experienced. If you're coming from, from Georgia, you're going to be like, wow, it's pretty dry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, Dylan, do you, do you switch up your, your race nutrition based on the heat? Um, I pretty much, I don't, uh, I used to do a bottle of plain water, but with, with my current nutrition setup with, you know, flow, I don't, I don't feel like that's necessary. I just, every bottle has electrolytes and calories in it. I don't know. Um, The BWR where I was giving you bottles, you were fucking begging for water. That's true. Something was, something was, did you put salt in those bottles or something? No, I mean, that's not, that's not typical. That's not typical though. 
But that's the problem when it's hot. And if you have all your bottles with like mix, yeah. you just suck so many of them down. And then it's like disgusting. And like you drink yeah. too much, too much electrolyte. Yeah. Because you're trying to get so that you, is, you almost that want is, less electrolyte in the heat. Yeah, that is well, a good I, point. I feel like it yeah, I feel like at the point that it gets so hot that you're going through more than a bottle an hour, um, you probably want some plain water just to wash the taste of whatever you're drinking down with, because at a point it'll get you know, it'll get disgusting. So but but would you ever switch from using like flow or, or liquid calories to using like instead like gels or bars or something i mean i you're use saying gels. you would but you don't switch yeah, it up you're, you're saying just you just water. add you just add extra water yeah yeah and what, what yeah, i will say I what i that. what i will say about this too is that people's electrolyte needs vary so much from person to person some people are very salty sweaters some people are not very salty sweaters some people you know, are more heat acclimated less heat acclimated and that does affect the saltiness of your sweat so for example you know you're, if you go do a hot race in January versus if you go do a hot race in July, you're probably going to need different amounts of sodium. So it's, it's all, it, it can be very hard to get to the bottom of what is the perfect amount of electrolytes for you. Um, and that, that being said, there's a, there's a optimal range. It's not like you have to hit the number right exactly on the head, but, um, it's it, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't go around asking people what they do and then do that for you. It's like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, are I making agree. they are making these uh, sweat patches now. I think the company is like, uh, I don't know, Nix or something. It starts with an N um, where you can put it on and it gives you data about how salty your sweat is. So that might be helpful. Do you, can you process it like at home or you got to like send it in to them? No, you like they have an app. You just look at the app oh, cool. and you're like, "Oh, cool on my ride. I I uh was this salty on my ride." Yeah, I think that'd be beneficial. Sweet. Um <laughs> I would say if anything, I feel like it's harder to digest solids when it's hot out. So, I definitely wouldn't go like that route. Yeah, I agree with that. Um okay, this one comes from uh this one comes from Andrew. He says, when are you going to be honest with the listeners and tell us that Daniel is just Scott's secret account to talk about gravel? <laughs> what next? A new listener named David who is going to be asking about aero bars and tire pressure? <laughs> Dude, Daniel and Scott could not be more different people. <laughs> Scott has never analyzed some, like something to the degree that Daniel has in his whole life. Maybe that's just a, a front. Yeah. Scott's like a secret CIA agent. This is, this is how Scott stuff all the throws time. off the competition. He pretends he like doesn't. <laughs> I, are are wax chains prevalent in the pro peloton? Yeah, of course do, they do are. Do you know Scott? Um, I have no idea. Like, does anyone talk about it? Like, is, are they like, oh man, this wax chain is so sick that we got? Uh, no. Well, the riders probably <laughs> don't. And I'm sure there's a bunch of old school mechanics that don't, I don't know, they don't care about that. But if it's, if it's one of these teams that is like chasing every little marginal gains, you better believe they're waxing their chains. Mm-hmm. And, I, and there I are a lot of believe. teams that believe, like there are a lot of teams that don't do that. There are a lot of teams so that are old school. The difference between like a wax lube and like actually like waxing it where you take the chain off and like put it in a crock pot. Yeah, it's a small difference. It might be a watt. It might be like half a lot, depending on what we're comparing. Wax loop. Yeah, but just because it's a wax, like there there are wax-based yeah, products on the market that are awful. 
Like just because it says wax on the bottle and it has wax particles in it does not automatically mean it's going to be fast. How good is olive oil as a chain loop? I mean, it's <laughs> it's like mid pack. Really, it's it's not bad. Yeah. So, like at home, could I just use olive oil? <laughs> it's probably way more. Like if I do <laughs> I mean, I guess, <laughs> sure, yeah, you could use olive oil. I mean, you can use whatever you, you can want. Use, you can just use, like, like motor oil. That's probably your cheapest Yeah, dude, option. you could, yeah, you like could, everyone has, like, dude, you I'm, could I'm pee on your pack. chain if you wanted to. It's like, I mean, it's. it's I know what I'm saying is, like, olive oil, everyone's got olive oil or some, some sure. sort of, like. Yeah, everyone's oil. got a vehicle. You just go to the car and pull out the dipstick. I don't yeah. have a vehicle. You do, have, you do have a vehicle. Not here. It, sm- it smells awful. Oh, you're talking in Europe. <laughs> I'm just talking like I'm in a pinch. And okay, I yeah. yes, you can use olive oil. On I, a pinch. I would probably use like vegetable oil though. It's like it's like a third of the price. Okay, whatever. I'm just saying you go into a kitchen and there's some sort <laughs> yes, of cooking. You can, you can yeah. absolutely do that. Yes, yeah. you can do that. And it's mid pack. You said it's. I mean, it's it's not nearly as bad as you would think it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, there there are some commercially sold lubricants that do much worse than olive oil. I'm not looking. I don't. <clears> are you guys also sponsored me, by Cola Vita? Just just dump some of that on there instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched your video. Is that what this is coming from? The video. Yeah, I mean, I I knew this information before the video, but like uh, Adam from Zero Friction Cycling, he was yeah. How do you even wax a chain like? Should I wax my chain just for like? I thought you said you watched the video. No, like, <laughs> like does it help? Like, if I'm not racing, is it better to wax your chain for just because like it lasts long or something? Or yes, is it just it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It lasts. It lasts much longer if you like. So the more friction your chain has in it, one the less efficient it is, obviously, and then two the faster it wears out because those metal on metal, you know, the metal on metal scraping is wearing out your chain faster. So your chain will last much longer if you have, you know, I don't know, a wax-based lube, for example. Will it stay um, cleaner longer? Yeah, wax wax is is one of the cleanest ways to lube your chain because it doesn't easily pick up grime from the road and dirt from the trail or whatever. So... It's pretty remarkable how clean a wax chain stays. And and the the way that you rewax it is you don't have to use like degreaser or anything when you're rewaxing it. You just throw it in the wax pot and let the old wax melt off with the dirt and then you the new wax coats it. When you're taking your chain on and off, do you use another quick link or do you use the same one? Uh if it's just a training chain like if I'm just if I'm just using it for training, I'll reuse a quick link. If I'm doing it before a race, I put a new quick link on because I don't want to take the risk of breaking a quick link in a race. Cool. <laughs> we done with wax chains? Sure. Um, okay, this one comes from uh, Timmy. He says, "Here's a question for the next podcast. I read that mouth guards can help increase your VO2 max while riding." The article went on to say that it can help with relaxing your jaw too and therefore relaxing your body. Is there any truth to all of this or is it just BS? I would have to see the article. I haven't read anything about that to be honest, so I I, I honestly don't know. Mouth guards? Scott, have you, Scott, I don't have you think heard I've of... ever even worn a mouth guard for anything? What was the question? I don't know. I didn't My Wi-Fi. I didn't do like contact sports when I was a kid. Um Scott 
he he says that there is an article talking about how mo- mouth guards can increase your VO2 max. Is this that thing, Dylan? You have one of these things. Yeah, but that's not that's not to be uh, it's not like to be warrant. First of all, I never really, I never, I don't think I've actually ever used it once. But he's talking about an actual mouth guard, like you would wear for, um, you know, I don't know what football or something. Not like a breathing device. That looks like a mouth. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but the the mouth guard that I have, and I kind of wanted to test it out, and I just never tested it out. um, Has like a tube that goes out your mouth, and you like. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that. It's it's the thing with like the flap. Like yeah, I know. I mean, there's no tube. (laughs) What? There's a hole. Around your mouth. Basically, like I regular, think what it does, like it just makes it harder to breathe, right? No, this no, it's like, supposed to actually make it easier somehow. It like regulates how make it fast easier. you exhale or some shit like that. Like how, like, no, I, I, so I, I could be wrong. I've got this thing in my house somewhere and I, and I, it's been so long. It's been, it's been <laughs> like, like two years shit. since I look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the flap closes when you exhale right? And then it opens when you inhale. And I don't know why that makes it better. Uh, I'm trying to think. But they're claiming that your I, I think they were claiming that your performance so increases like, when you're is wearing Is this it. supposed to be a training aid? And then, but like it doesn't improve your performance in the moment. It's just training you for improved improvements afterwards? No, I, I think, think it's, they make, I think it's uh, cute. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I mean this company. I think they claim both, but you know, it's like okay, who knows? What, well, I don't know. I don't. Correct. I don't think that's what Timmy's talking about. I think he's talking he's about talking just about like an, old mouth guard, a regular old mouth guard. No. Uh, I don't think it does. I don't Scott know. says no, so yeah, it's got to be BS. <laughs> um, okay, let's go on. Uh, okay, this one comes from Christian from Denmark. Sick. Uh, mm-hmm. Says, hey, all, I love listening to the podcast and especially hearing about Scott's passion for gravel cycling. <laughs> My question is about training in between races. I have four races in a series that expands over four months. So, leading up to the first race, I did two HIT workouts uh, a week for one month, but I'm unsure if I should continue training twice a week after a couple of races in or if I should just focus on maintaining fitness with one HIT workout and longer zone two rides. Uh, oh, and the races are gravel, crits, fast, and sometimes technical. Jeez, that sounds oh. dangerous. There's gravel crits in Denmark? Apparently. A whole series of it. Wow. So is he racing every weekend and he's <clears throat> unsure if he should do two workouts no, a so week? He, four races over four months. So one race a month. Yeah. I would continue doing two hit workouts a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, through the I wouldn't change, yeah, I wouldn't change anything only, other than like the week of the race maybe. Yeah, the only the only reason I would switch that up during race season is if you're racing every weekend, and then that race counts as one of the hit workouts. Right? Would you, Dylan? Would you put where would you put the race in like a four week period? Um, would you would you do the the race at the end of a rest week, or would you put the race like on say like week two or week three? I would do a three-week block and then do a taper week into the race, which essentially acts as your rest week. Yeah, I agree. Cool. You too, Scott? Um, yeah, I wasn't really listening, to be honest. Dude, think about <laughs> how good Scott would be at gravel he, crit. S- Scott, Kurt, Scott heard gravel crit and he tuned out. That seems like your <laughs> discipline, though, because it's kind of like cross 
but it excludes the parts of cross that you're bad at. You know what I mean? Like what? Like, I don't know, like running up a steep hill or, you know. How is that like cross? Well, it's, it's basically a gravel crit is like a high speed cross race kind of. I don't, I don't know exactly what the course is like, but if you had... Wait, so is this guy actually doing a gravel crit? That's what he's he doing. Says. The, the series is a gravel crit series. A gravel crit series. That's like in, in technical. That sounds like high-speed cross racing. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Christian, if you have like videos or something, send it to us. Sounds kind of cool. I didn't know that that existed. <clears throat> All right. This next one's from Tim. This one uh, this one's good. Uh, it says, question for the Bonkros podcast. What do you think of GCN's Dan Lloyd calling gravel pros in the U.S. rubbish ex-street pros? A hundred percent. That's 100% correct. <laughs> Dan, Dan Lloyd said that? <laughs> I guess. I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you like, you know. Uh, they would probably get upset if I, if they heard that, but if, if you're racing gravel and you used to be a world tour roadie, it probably means that you're at the end of your career. You know, you're, you're not at your peak. You you weren't at your peak. And then you're like, ah, screw this road thing. I'm going to go to gravel. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you yeah. were at your peak, but you weren't that good. You know what I'm saying? If you're, yeah, your peak was not was not the elite of the elite. Basically, what I'm saying is like Vanderpool and and Wout are not gonna come race Unbound next year, right? Dude, they, how sick would that be? To do. It would be sick. It would be sick. <laughs> you think saying. you think Vanderpool would just send a 200 mile flyer? No, I mean Vanderpool's smarter than that. You know, He'd probably wait until like mile 180. Or you probably wouldn't even have to. Although I want to know, I want to know how fast they would do. Like if you got, if you got a full 200, like if you got 200 world tour riders and they were highly motivated to win the race, like as if it was Perry Roubaix, like the same riders that do Perry Roubaix, get them all on the line at, at unbound. How, how fast would the finishing time? Mm, you think like and a half? Yeah, probably, probably crazy like that. Yeah. Okay, this next one comes from Ben. Uh, he says, should Dylan also embrace the spirit of Gravelmore in 2023 if he wants to improve his place in the overall? Uh, he says, mostly just poking the bear here, but please discuss. And he says, relatedly, <laughs> do other biking disciplines have their own spirits? For example, does Scott embrace the spirit of road racing? <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end he says, also, has Scott found a replacement for Bush Light in Europe? Mm. They not have Bush Light in Europe? No, dude. They have a lot of uh, non-alcoholic beers, though. I would say really? most, either probably half the beer is non-alcoholic. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, wow. that's a lot. Okay. Europe does usually like kind of trend set for the U.S., so maybe maybe they're uh, maybe they're onto something. Hmm. We'll see that here in a few years. And they're like cheaper for whatever reason in the U.S. Once it's non-alcoholic, it becomes more expensive. Yeah, dude, that's bogus. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is extra processing to like remove the alcohol, but you know, so, okay. So going back to it, um, Scott, do you embrace the spirit of road racing? I, I don't think there is a spirit. <laughs> do you and, think, do you uh, think that definitely not embracing the spirit by going to the <laughs> fucking wind tone? Yeah. I, I mean, if you haven't, like, if you haven't noticed, I, I think that once guys like, uh, Pete Stetna and Ted King, um, once they retire, the spirit of gravel will be completely dead at that point. 
Um, there will be no one who cares about the spirit of gravel. It'll just be another cycling discipline that people are trying to win. Do, do you think gravel will die at that point? No, I don't think gravel will die. I think the spirit of gravel will die. But you don't think the spirit of gravel is why why gravel is so alive right now? No, dude. The spirit of gravel is holding gravel back, you know? Do you think just... the spirit of gravel will just, like, permeate down to, like, only being part of, like, the... Like the uh, age group fields? I mean, I guess. So, you know, I, I think what people mean by the spirit of gravel is they're like, oh, like, look at these races. They're so, you know, they're so friendly and like every, it's a big mass start. And, it, you know, it's all it's so inclusive and all of this. Endurance mountain bike races have been like that for years. You know what I mean? And you go to any grassroots endurance mountain bike race, it's already been like that for years. Like the spirit of grassroots endurance mountain biking, no one talks about that. But like, there's guys, there's guys like me at a grassroots endurance mountain bike race who are taking it real seriously, who got aero bars on their bike and are trying to win the thing in as fast a time as possible. And then there's people just trying to finish, just trying to have a good time, and no one, no one makes Dude, a big isn't, deal isn't about it. Isn't that like the irony of like the the virtue signaling? Is that like the spirit of gravel is supposed to be like all inclusive, except you can't include the people who want to win the race and take whatever <laughs> uh, advantages they can to do that. Like they are not included. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean that that point has been made a thousand times, but there's a reason why it has been made a thousand times. It's because it's absolutely like hit the nail on the head. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, Ryan Standish famously coined the term, the spirit of gravel is mountain biking. And I yeah, think that's I, pretty, pretty, accurate. I mean, you, you can't say it better, honestly, <laughs> like, this, yeah. like there's always going to be grassroots endurance races where people are having a good time drinking beer after the race, just trying to finish, uh, just because there's pros there trying to go fast. It's not going to take away from anyone else's fun. So like, can we, can we stop all of this? Can we stop all of this nonsense about trying to regulate the spirit of gravel? Dude, if anything, the faster the pros get, the more fun the rest of the field gets to get because they don't have to worry about all you guys. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So this next one's not really a question, um, but our new Patreon guy, Tom, uh, s- sent us a little bit more info, like backstory. So um, he says, um, so he says, uh, you, he says, yo, I didn't need a, I didn't know that I needed to submit a bio because last last week I, I all I knew was his like handle, which was Tweekleberg. I didn't know like his full name or anything. Um, so he's like, yo, I didn't need I didn't know I needed to send in a bio. And you also don't ever need to say my name on the air. Uh, I'm not doing this for some cloud or anything just because you guys do a solid job. Um, cool. Well, we're giving we're, we're saying this anyways. <laughs> um, I'm Tom Eichelberg. Uh, I do some mountain bike races. Uh, occasional just tell you to not say his name on the air he says we don't need to he didn't tell us not to he just says like we don't need to but we are we're we're, we're appreciative um he says he he occasionally races pro as a race as a pro triathlete uh he won off-road tri nationals in 2021 which is cool i didn't even know that was a thing you mean like Um, xterra i guess um Maybe Xterra is dead, and now they just call it off-road try. Yeah, like, I don't know if that means, like, gravel triathlon or mountain bike triathlon. Um, But now he works in a factory, so I think he, like, doesn't do that anymore. Um, He says in a past life, he was a college swim coach. So if anyone ever has swimming questions, shoot it over to him, and he can can help us sound smart. Uh, Keep it up. 
Sweet. I don't know anything um, about swimming, so that would be yeah, helpful. Yeah, me neither. That would be helpful. I've like I've had um I've had people come to me wanting coaching for triathlon. And my biggest hesitation is that like I really just don't know enough about swimming to like offer advice yeah. on, on that aspect. Like I've told them like if you're cool with like the fact that like I'm gonna coach you through two sports and like third sport is just kinda like whatever. Um but I like and brutally honest, like I, I just don't know enough about swimming to like be your advised swim coach. Yeah. I, it is kind of interesting that swimming is even part of triathlon. I mean, I get it. It's like, they're, they're, they're three, <laughs> they're three aerobic sports, but, but running and swimming are, I are running and cycling are fairly similar. Uh, but swimming is, I, I think it's, it's physiologically, it's a lot different than, than, other than the fact that they're all three are aerobic sports, they're, they're very different. So it, it's, it's just interesting that you would put swimming in there, but you know, Scott, whatever important thing you had to say, it got cut out. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. He's Scott's frozen. Okay. <laughs> Bummer. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that was going to be insightful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We're at an hour 17. Should we yeah. Do like I think we should just, Oh yeah, we can do one more. All right, one one more quick one. Okay, we'll... this is actually the last Instagram one for now. Um, do you put any weight to the SRAM tire pressure calculator? The tire talk was dying down, so I figured I would throw in another log on the fire. Thanks for the great show. What do you um, mean tire I... talk was dying down? We talked about tires like <laughs> have we? Have we did. We, had... we talked about tires a bunch today, already. dude. Have we had one episode of this podcast where we haven't mentioned tires? <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, I didn't know that this, that SRAM had a tire pressure calculator. I, I know that, um, is it Silka that has one? Yeah, I use the Silka one. Um, you know what I should do is I, I, I think that the Silka pressure calculator personally is, is very spot on. And I don't just say that because I'm sponsored by Silka. I say that because I have gone out to a patch of gravel, tested different pressures, and it's remarkable how close to the fastest pressure that calculator gets. Like I, I start at the Silka recommended pressure and then I'll go up two PSI and I'll go down two PSI and I'll try to find what the optimal pressure is. Um, like over a set course at the same power output, you know, trying to keep all the variables constant and the Silka pressure calculator, it does get very close. Um, so, I, what I should do, and I haven't done this, but what I should do is go to the, the SRAM calculator and just plug in the same values and see how far off it is from the Silka calculator. Mm. Yeah, I so I, I've used the Silka for reference uh, a couple times. Um, I usually find that it's like two or three PSI higher than I actually end up running. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually just like a like a plushness or comfort thing like their 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 pressures tend to be just a little higher than i want to run so i don't know their pressures might be faster than what i'm running but like what i end up running feels more comfortable yeah i think i don't i think that you have to be a little careful if you're trying to use any of these tire pressure calculators with mountain biking um oh, i've never I'll, used it for mountain biking because the optimal pressure for mountain biking should honestly have a lot more to do with how well the bike handles, you know, in mm-hmm. corners and stuff. And yeah. Uh, but for gravel and road, I think that, that 
this at least the silica calculator can get you in the right ballpark yeah agreed so yeah we'll check out the SRAM one um cool that's all of our instagram questions we'll we'll maybe get to some email questions next week all right peace out all right see you man